This is Wondering Wanders, two ordinary guys wondering about extraordinary things. Teenagers always think they're too cool for everything. It's because they are. <laughs> you remember being a teenager. You uh, were too cool. Absolutely. You know, you're not wrong, actually. That, de- that depends on what you mean by cool, I guess. But uh, <laughs> Gosh, doing Totus Tutus, was, uh, you would have, we had high school nights, and it was the worst when you had, like, freshman teenagers. What Because some of the parishes had... The teenagers had to do it for confirmation. It was like their confirmation retreat. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to be there. Naturally. If people wanted to be there, the high school nights were like the best. But you'd get parishes where it was just like all kids who didn't want to be there. Yeah. And they just thought they were way too cool. And uh, they wouldn't play game. I was like, guys, I am a 23-year-old man playing games and loving it. <laughs> you can do this, okay? They like they like acted like they didn't know, like, oh, I don't know how to throw a ball. I was right. like, I've actually gotten this far in my life without using my arms. So. <laughs> they were like football. There was incredible. these two kids though that kept <laughs> they kept talking about how like they were on the football team, they were freshmen, they kept talking about how much they were lifting and stuff. And I got really annoyed by it towards the end of the week because it's all they talked about. And so at one point I went up to them and I said, How much can you guys bench? And they were like, oh, like uh, 70. And it was like, yeah, like 85. I was like, my max is 215. And I just walked away. <laughs> and, um, oh, gosh. Was I pushing the truth? At that point, yes. Had I ever done 215? Yes. But at that point, point, I couldn't. In my life, I could have yeah. looked at 215 pounds. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, yep, yes. teenagers. Gosh. Gotta love them. Great. Yep. All righty. And we're back, and folks. Back. Here we are. I'm Eli. And I'm Joseph. And this chair is really loud tonight. Yeah, you're gonna have to... <laughs> I'm going to have to sit still, and <laughs> I'm not good at that. Do you want to trade chairs? No. All right. Well, no. Sure? We'll be good. I'll work through it. It's good for it's good growth experience. So, tonight, my opening question. Okay. All right. Describe to me... No. Okay. Well, never mind. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, may all your wonders be blessed. <laughs> Me and Joseph had a falling out, and uh, that's, that's as much as you're getting. But we want to keep doing the podcast. That's right. This is it. This is, it's, it's for the kids. Okay. Well, so anyways, the question is, <laughs> it's going to be a good night. It's going to be a good night. If we ever get sorry. <laughs> Describe okay. to me yep. what you would say is the most beautiful weather conditions you've ever experienced. Hit me with the scenario. So there I was. Dun, Dolphin Island. Dun, dun. Um, Dolphin Island? Dolphin Island. Where was that? Not actually spelled like the word dolphin, hmm. but like the word dolphin in French. <laughs> oh, dolphin. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, I have a friend who's, uh, whose family have a beach house in Dolphin Island, and so it faces like the Gulf of Mexico. Is this in like an Al- Alabama It's province? in Alabama, okay. yes. It's a province of Alabama. Yeah, it's good. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, there is nothing after Dolphin Island, except oil rigs, which is kind of strange. Mm. But, um, then it's just like the ocean. water, for as far as you can see. Wow. And uh, there's just something about 
super windy ocean breeze mm-hmm. um, standing on the deck and just being, I don't know, getting to watch a storm roll in and you're, uh, the wind typically, because there's nothing to like buffet it, it's just like raw wind. And so it always makes me feel really small um, and somehow really loved. I don't know. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I would say windy beach weather is my favorite kind of weather. Yep. Is it like hot out but a cool breeze? Yeah, so it's, it's great because like the sun is out, so it's, it is hot. But then the breeze hits... And it's like this really warm. It's like you're. It's like you're getting wrapped up in a blanket. You know. It's. I it's can great. almost feel it. I like that. Yep. Wow. Nice. Mine is the complete opposite. <laughs> Frozen tundra yes. in Antarctica. Uh, well, not Antarctica, but like stillness. Probably the most beautiful weather scenario I've ever seen. I, you know, there's a lot of beautiful weather, warm weather, but to me, when it's like negative twenty degrees out, but very key. No wind. Because as soon as it gets to be wind yep. and it's negative no. 20... Then it's like negative it's 80. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so, negative 20 degrees out. Super cold. Thick blanket of snow on the ground. Full moon. And a light, fluff, fluffy snowfall coming down. Just real slow. Wow, that's almost literally the exact opposite. That's, that's almost crazy. literally the exact yeah. opposite. Um, it might actually even be literally the exact opposite. Yep. But it is... The most silent stillness I've ever experienced. And with, with the moon mm-hmm. yeah. reflecting off the snow, it's literally daylight. Like, you can see yeah. for miles. It's not literally daylight. I, it's, well, yeah. It's like daylight. I mean, I, I guess I'd agree with that. I thought it was so cool with, like, St. Meinrad. We got the snow. And yeah. if you went out in the morning... Like, the animals don't wake up, apparently, when it's snowy and cold outside. <laughs> and it's just like this weird, almost eerie silence. It's real silence. It's very cool. That's the thing. is like, you don't know how quiet, how loud things are mm-hmm. until, like, yeah. you go sit in the silence and you're like, what is going on? It's incredible, though. It's incredible. Yeah, that's about as opposite as it gets. Yeah, so. that's cool. cool. I like that. There's that's beauty cool. in it all. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, teach us how to pray. God, we ask you to come bless this night. Ignite our hearts with love for you. Help us to speak truth and to know your love in our lives. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All righty, so tonight is... We're going to talk about... Uh, this, I can't I not move. I don't know how to fix it. It's like, do you just cover it in <laughs> WD-40 or something? Like, so you fix most things. <laughs> oh, man. But, okay, so tonight we're going to talk about something that, in a sense, is very mainstream, but I feel like doesn't actually get thought about very often. So. Hot take. All right. Okay, I want you to hit me with your, uh, yeah, your, what do you think people's first thought is? which might be your first thought, uh, when they hear pro-life. Anti-abortion. That's it. That's probably what... I, well, that's, yeah, I agree. That's I agree. I think, think that, yeah. that that's probably what most people are thinking, is anti-abortion. And so what really hit me was the fact that we say pro-life, 
But we, what we mean by that, a lot of times when we say it, is I'm anti. It's the opposite of a pro, like pro-life, anti-abortion. And it seems to me that there's a dissonance there. There's something kind of missing in there. Um, so. There's something missing in where? In between pro-life and anti-abortion. We say we're pro-life, but what we really are in a lot of sense is anti-abortion. Do you see what, what you see the difference there? So you're saying people are calling themselves pro-life when in reality they aren't pro-life in the fullest sense. They're actually just championing anti-abortion. I think yeah. I, that, I don't think that it's necessary that they're not real like in the fullest sense pro-life. Yeah. But I think that when we use the term pro-life, what is often meant is is anti-abortion. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Yep. Makes okay. sense. Okay. Good. 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 So. Moving. You're going to be so self-conscious. I know. Your movements now. It's going to be great. Oh, man. Um, uh, I can't. What was I even talking about? Uh, Pro-life, anti-abortion. So what does it mean to be really pro-life then? I guess I'll just pose that directly right to you. It's kind of the big question, but let's hit it right from the beginning. (laughs) We'll we'll start with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What does it mean? Uh, Well... I think there's a lot of critiques of the pro-life movement that are centered around it being just anti-abortion, which I think in some ways are justified. So um, I think ideally it would be a holistic movement in terms of like all aspects of life. So it wouldn't just be about birth or children's lives which is is a lot i mean that's a that's it's, it's kind of crazy that you could say it's not just about children's lives yeah and that's what's attacked yeah um which is is a big deal um is a big deal but that it would also include uh just kind of general like people who are alive living life not not mm. not the right to be alive but like people who are currently living and uh, their rights to live life well. Um, oh, although I guess there's obviously a lot of debate about that. Yep. Um, so I guess really what it comes down to, I'm saying a lot of words because I'm processing out loud. Yep. Good. Hey, that's uh, how I live my life. I'm glad to see it. I think pro-life ultimately would be centered in championing. 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 Wow, yep. that's a weird word. Uh <laughs> Human dignity. Yeah, I think mm. ultimately it's sourced in human dignity. So, yeah. I agree, and I think that we say that a lot of times in a lot of pro-life things. But again, I, I think we kind of say it, and we, people mean it, but then it really comes out in, in just like anti-abortion, anti-euthanasia, uh, all these things. But it, one thing which I showed you... Yesterday, I don't know, earlier in the week is this song that I think came out when I was in high school or something. But it's a song by the rapper Logic. And uh, he the title of the song is just the number to the suicide hotline. But there's a line in it where he says, uh, they say they say every life is precious, but they don't care about mine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. 
I think that that uh, that could be a valid critique uh, in some senses for sure. How do you mean? In the sense that who is they in this? Uh... Uh, well, I think that the song definitely has a bit of an anti-Christian uh, intent to it. Yeah. Undertone, okay. yeah. Um, but uh, but they, I guess that's a good question. I'd say it's just pro-life people. I'm assuming kind of that's what he's going for. But I think that that, that to me, I can see myself doing that, of like being like, yes, everyone has a right to live. Everyone has a right to be born, you know, but... Then once they're born, you know, still, I think, yeah, we should take care of the poor and we should do all this. But in, in a sense, forgetting about continuing that same passion that you had for giving them a right to life hmm. is just like, well, no, you're, you're good. You were born. Move along. And it kind of forgets about it about all of life, because life isn't just, like we say, we say, conception to natural death. Like, there's a lot in there, and we're focusing on Most conception <laughs> and natural death. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most of it's between those Most two, of it's so, in there, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Well, yeah. At least this side of heaven. So. True, true. Um, yeah, I think the difficulty lies in, like, <laughs> it's a catch-22, right? Um, because... Ultimately, like, the Christian understanding of caring for life and giving them dignity, like, caring for them in between the the birth and natural death requires assumptions about the best way with which to live. Mm. And our culture is not interested in hearing what the Christian idea of the best way to live is. Or at least, like, surface level wise not interested in hearing it i think it's, ultimately every soul is interested in hearing true it, true yeah right? it applies to everyone um, and then, you know the thing is with our american culture at least like so much of that whether we like it or know it or not is based in christianity like what we see as well, i mean even the idea of human dignity is based oh, absolutely in, yeah judeo-christian it, ideas so. yeah kind of didn't exist generally outside of the jews and uh, like the idea of gladiatorial games, now we're like, how could you ever do that? Yeah. But back then they were like, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I think it, I think it, it's funny, or I guess it's funny in a weird way, because like even, even the abortion and anti-abortion argument is all wrapped up in this like two very different definitions of human dignity, mm. right? Um, well, two very different definitions of human and dignity, actually, which is interesting. Mm. Um, and so it's like, how do you have a conversation of, or how do you, how do you attempt to pursue a good life for someone else to like encourage them down that path, uh, without also giving them a goal to look at? And what happens when they look at that goal and they say, well, that's a stupid goal, you know, like it's, yeah. it's hard to, <laughs> how do you have that conversation? I mean, so I don't yeah. know if that's where you want to go. No, no, I think that that's, that's absolutely true because I think, <clears throat> see, to me, kind of the difference in what you're saying and what we kind of end up a lot of times is, I will pose as another question, what is the difference between survival and living life? 
Well, for some people, I don't know if there is a difference. So. See, I think that that, in, that is where the problem lies in. Like, we settle for survival in a lot of ways. And I think we see it in our goals in life, just kind of in general. Like, uh, for the most part, what are most people's goals in life? Like, very uh, general. We're looking Money, power, progeny. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Just like, okay, I'm going to make enough money to survive. Uh, I want power because I get, uh, I mean, that's good. And or status uh, or honor, you know, yeah, like yep, kind of, yep, yeah. yep. That one gets more into the living life, yeah. I think. But like, you know, getting a good job, having a family, it's almost just like, uh, let me kind of make it that's not an analogy, but so weekends for me, yep, are good. <laughs> school, yes. the week, you know, yep. school gets exhausting, we need our weekends and stuff. But I find that I, depending on the time, like especially right now, we're co- coming up on a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I am living for the break. Yep. And everything is focused on what is to come. And therefore, I am just surviving right now. Yeah. Like it's just this sense of getting through right now. And I think that a lot of people's lives. So what stops you from feeling that way all the time? <laughs> I thought you'd have an immediate answer. That's, what wow. stops me from feeling that way all the time? Um, yeah, like you're just surviving, just uh, sustaining, just scraping by. Having real meaning in everything that I do, having purpose in life, I'd say. Really, God is the short answer, but I don't want to just say God. That's a cop out. Um, but yeah, having something that makes every moment something worth loving. Not just like, I can get through this, but something that makes sitting in class, falling asleep while standing up at my standing desk, (laughs) and almost hitting my head on the standing desk, makes that something that is worth loving, not just pushing through, which Mm. to me is eternity. You know, it's God. It's like this moment means something. It's like uh, Dr. Levna the other day. He was talking about uh, well, he was talking about humanity in our theological anthropology class, and he was talking about purpose. He said every person has a purpose, and mm-hmm. uh, he said God cares for every single human life infinitely, and part of that care is giving them purpose. So even these people who like you know can't walk, speak, talk, have extreme like mental. Uh, mental illnesses, like whatever, mm-hmm. like mental disabilities, they have purpose. Yeah. Part of God's care Absolutely. for them yeah. is that they are purposefully, they're made to be purposefully towards something. They're made to, as Dr. Lemon described it, to bring the word, the capital W word, Jesus Christ, to the world in some way. Yeah. That is the difference. And to me, that partially, well, I would say in a large part, is the difference between just survival and living. Do you think most pro-life people act in a way that it looks like they are happy to be alive? Yeah, 
Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, not always. You know, obviously you're going to get a whole bunch of grumpy people. But I think that they're living pro-life, at least for themselves. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I almost think that the pro-life movement has to start with, like, people who are genuinely, like, enthralled with being alive. Yeah. You know? like, yep. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you have any friends yet or have had any conversations yet with uh, couples who are... I guess afraid of having children or not sure they want to have children yet or afraid yeah. of getting married yeah. or um definitely and that's an like that's an interesting conversation you know cuz like where what what's that fear rooted in like is yeah. it is it rooted in life isn't good enough to make more of it ultimately right like who, I know who wants to bring a child into this world you I've know? definitely like, heard so that it's so messed up and yeah that's kind of a Scary idea, you know? See, and that is kind of where my next question leads. So to kind of back up and cover our ramble a little uh, bit, to be be pro-life, you know, is to be pro-living life and to to see the good and things. But so how does someone pro-life, or or how does being pro-life, I don't know how to ask that, uh, how does it address the terrible suffering that goes on in the world? Yeah, you because know, like, like in an abstract way. Well, uh, yeah. Well, kind of, but how does it work? I guess in an abstract way. But you know, like it's like we're like, yes, life is worth living. There is good. Every life has purpose. And someone who isn't pro-life looks at someone who's like a quadriplegic, has been since the day they were born, and is like, what is good in that person's life? The person. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> the person is good. What do you mean by that? Um. I mean that that's a life that is there that would not have been there. Like your your, the argument reduces that person to their, I guess defects in a way of. Well, that's a that's a person who lives suffering and isn't like everyone else, but it misses the person part. It just sees that that's a quadriplegic, right? Mm. And that's really problematic, yeah. Right, like because that's a person who has thoughts and feelings and is alive and like has desires and goals and um, their life absolutely looks very different than everyone else's, but that doesn't mean it's a life that has less value by any means, Um, which I think is part of the radicality of Christianity, though, is that, like, the person is this, like, that's the lowest unit of humanity. Like, that at at the core, the individual, that's as, as low as you go. And also as high as you go at the same time, it's like on earth, you end up with the person as the smallest unit and the biggest. It's like the heights and the depths all at the same time. It's very crazy. Hmm. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. I don't either, but I have a question that kind of comes from that. So um, we've learned a lot in our theological anthropology class that person is defined by relationship. Like kind of going outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how do you think that? And you know, obviously, this is just kind of a guess, but radical individuality. So, the the complete focus on the self in our culture has affected what it is to be pro life or, 
you know, not pro-life. Do you think it has? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's really kind of twisted our understanding of what it means to live a successful life, right? Mm. Like, um, yeah, like is a successful life now centered more on my personal success or the future with which I give my children, you know? Mm. And, or is it my success or the success of those around me? Um, and if, if everything's centered on this like individual scale and that's the bar with which I measure everything, then when I suffer, nothing makes sense, right? Like, yeah. It's not, there's no context where my suffering makes sense if there's not anything outside of me, right? Which is why yep. I think we suck at suffering. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely agree with that. Gives us a sense of entitlement, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. It really it definitely does. does give us the, uh, when our world is centered around us, yeah. we think it so. should be centered around us. But yeah, I do wonder how much of that flows over into like, yeah, well, maybe life isn't worth living because I have suffering. Yeah. And, and even not like my life's not worth living, but like I've seen suffering and we have an inability to kind of, to relate to the other in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, not, not completely. We still relate, but to be able to like kind of step into the life of another, of someone who's suffering. Yeah. And be able to you know suffer with them to find good in it, and and to like say yeah you're worth with your life even being filled with suffering, it is still good for me to enter into your life. Because I don't think people want to do that because of this this individuality. It's like wow that's your suffering and that's bad, and all I can see is the outside, but like I can see that it's very bad, and therefore. Why would it be good? I don't understand. Do you do you think there's a question behind the question of why is there suffering? Uh, like, why do you think people ask that question? Because it doesn't make any sense to us right now. What do you think? I think you have, think there's a question behind the question. Yeah, I kind of gave that away, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. it's all right, but I want to know what you um, think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people ask that question recognizing that there is suffering. Like, it's, it's the truth that no one can get around, right? Like, there's yeah. always going to be pain and suffering. And I think when people ask, why is there suffering in this particular way, in this instance, or with this person, yeah. it's, why does it seem like this suffering has no meaning? Mm. Um, I think ultimately it's a question on meaning. Yep. Um, Which is why it's so incredibly radical that the gospel comes along, Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to suffer and die as God and give all suffering meaning. Yeah. Because everybody's yeah. asking the question, why is there no meaning to this? Yeah, it's the radicality of the hmm. gospel is that... I like that. Suffering is totally transformed mm. but not by doing away with it right no. like um and i think that tangentially or 
I guess kind of tangentially. It yeah. goes back to the pro-life question, though. Like, why why do people think this world is so hard to be in? It's because they they feel like the sufferings and the trials that they go through have no meaning. And yep. so, like, why would you want to bring a child into a world where you suffer and you work hard and you suffer more and then you die and yep. and that's... I mean, how how do you be pro-life in a context like that? So, yeah, and even if there is good things, there's always going to be so much bad. Because I yeah. think it becomes this utilitarian like tally mark of like, does the good outweigh the bad? And the problem with that is, first of all, just emotion. When things feel bad, they yeah. feel really bad. Yeah. A lot of times when things feel when things are good, you don't really feel all that much. But sometimes when they're really good, you feel really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so it becomes this weighing of like, well, there's a lot of suffering. Is it worth it? And like, if suffering is just pure evil, and then like, that, that, that scale is just gonna be yeah. off, you know? Because as a Christian, we can say like, all life is good, not just like every life, but all of life. Mm-hmm. It's good to it. Even like God uses our sin and turns it around and makes things good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah. I love the theology of suffering, it's one of the most incredible things to me in all of. Catholicism, you know, like it changes everything. So, what do you think about the idea of to, I guess to, to be apostles of being pro-life requires teaching people how to suffer. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's right. I think um, so. I was walking around thinking. It's a weird idea. Walking in the rain today. I like it. I like it a lot, too. <laughs> but so I was walking around in the rain, and I, I walked through the cemetery. Yeah. And we have a really nice crucifix in the cemetery here. That's very nice, the, yeah. Really, and it was just, like, dripping with rain. And so I was thinking about this question of, like, what does it mean to be pro-life, not just pro-survival, not just anti-abortion? And I was stood under the cross for a little bit and looked up and just watched the water dripping down. And I thought... I think to be pro-life is to see the world from the point of view of Christ on the cross. And by that, I mean that Christ was human, fully human. And he hung on the cross suffering, all of human suffering. He from there saw all human suffering that ever will happen and ever had happened. And he suffered all that. That was the weight of, that was the suffering of the cross. It wasn't just the nails and the scourging and the uh, the suffocation mm-hmm. it was suffering all of our suffering but Christ was also God he could have ended it at any time but he hung on the cross he looked all of human suffering in the eyes and he said this is worth it yeah because he didn't just see the suffering he saw all that could come from that suffering he saw all the good of life he saw all of life. And I think that that's what it is to be pro-life, is to see all of life, knowing in the way that Christ knew, like he knew 100%. It wasn't like he hoped. He knew it was worth it. 
And so we can say like, yes, every life is worth living because it has been deemed worthy of, of God dying for it. Yeah. But then, yeah, yeah, wow. But but then that carries over into like, so how do we live our lives in relationship with other people as trying to be pro-life? Well, I think it totally changes the conversation when you switch from kind of the label of like pro-life, pro-choice to like, I mean, like ultimately people who (laughs) struggle to suffer, right? Like, I mean, if I really do think at the core of kind of the abortionist argument are people who are afraid to bring more suffering into the world. And that's a, like, that's a really valid worry argument. You know, like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of weight to that. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of like personal experience to back that up. Yeah. And so when you kind of switch the lens from like, this is a person that I'm engaging that has different political views than I, and like, they're stupid. And, you know, like it's just so angry. One of like, this is a person who suffers. I also suffer. And I'm not sure if they know that their suffering has meaning or that Mm. it has worth, you know, like, yeah, that's a very different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very different. Definitely. Cause like you see people that are vehemently pro life, you know, and sometimes you just see them get so angry and hateful towards people. And I'm like, you, you just, you just lost the argument. Yeah. Because you said, I'm pro-life, and then we're not, you weren't pro-life. Because you were just angry at this person. Yeah. And like, there was, no, there was no relationality. There was no trying to figure out, okay, why do you believe this? Like, people don't try and be bad. It's just it's so weird to me. In politics in general, just people have this idea that the other side is trying to be evil. Whether yeah. they would express that directly or not, but it's like... Oh, they well, they're just, so that's yeah, the case, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. like, hold on. Like, and that's why politics never get anywhere because the other side is just like, are you, yeah. but there's no relationality. There's no seeing each other as a, as a person, you know, like you said, no. there's a life. They have suffering. I have suffering, you know? So, hmm. yeah. And I think just in general, in the way like that, that song said that about the beginning, of like, they say every life is precious, but nobody cares about mine. Like, yeah. you know, you can have a pro-life sign in your yard and then just be super angry and hateful towards people, mm-hmm. anybody, mm-hmm. anyone, and you, you've just opposed being pro-life. Because you, you aren't acting as though you're it's not, the case. You're, you're not know? saying yeah. that life is really worth it. And it really, um, I, so we watched The Martian the other day. Have you ever seen The Martian? Uh-huh. Great movie. Yeah, it's great. And it really made, if you, anybody. Like potato farming on on Mars. But if anybody hasn't seen it, this guy gets left behind on Mars because they think he's dead. And then they find out he's alive and he's living on Mars. And they go through just extraordinary things, billions of dollars to go get him off of Mars. Yeah. To save his life. So he doesn't die from death. And I, I just had this thought while I was watching it of like, they're spending billions of dollars to keep this one person from starting yeah. to death on a different planet. 
but how often do we do that for people who are starving to death yep. right now? You know, like when it's public and it's this big thing, like we got to do this, it's, it's out of the ordinary. We're willing to go to extraordinary lengths. Hmm. But when it comes to just the ordinary of like, you know, yeah, that's pretty crazy. helping out yeah. homeless people and, and like helping out people who are starving and it's just like, wow. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, what are we? What is going on in our world? Yeah, because um, like people see watch that movie and they're like, "Wow, that's heroic." They did all they could to go and get this. It's like you can do that. You can literally, in a lot of cases, like save someone's life. You yeah. know, so <laughs> there it is. Danger. Yeah. Any other uh, thoughts on pro lifeness? No. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. I like that. I think it centers on suffering. Yeah. That's the big question. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way that before. Though. Me neither. I so like that. I like that. Uh, that's new. Yep. Um, and that's good because we have to live pro-life lives, not just anti-abortion. We have to be for something, not just against abortion. Yeah, which means we can't be living our lives in a way that are... Just surviving, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess there's seasons in which that's the case, you know, yeah. where it feels like it's, you know, just one day at a time kind of thing. But ultimately, like, we have to, we have to find joy yep. and be joyful people. Yeah, and um, that's going to be the most effective pro-life argument. Yeah, is to live a life that looks like it's worth living, especially if is. you're suffering. Because it is. Yep. Alrighty, well, I guess uh, chew on that for a little while, folks. <laughs> Something getting out of that ramble yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Alrighty, well, uh, may all of your wonders be blessed. Mm-hmm.